Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Amen. Come on, lift your hands. Father, I'm asking that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. Let your word shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated if you can. If you can't, do not. I want, so, so I'm a Bible teacher. And typically, I don't know, I don't know if typically is the right way to say it, but I really like to go real finite uh, into the Word of God. But I want you to know the series that I'm starting today is, is going to have um, more of a universal, universal um, backing, meaning, meaning like taking the Bible as a whole, right? So if, if, you, if you know the letter of the law, but you miss the spirit of the law, you miss the whole thing. Does that make sense? So um, the, the letter of the law is important, but the spirit of the law is what's absolutely critical. So for the next uh, few weeks, I'm going to be teaching on some topics or, or inside of a major topic, but, but a lot of it's going to be um, kind of almost looking at the Bible from a helicopter view because Sometimes we can get down into the weeds of it and miss, have you ever heard the comment, miss the forest for the trees? That's kind of what I'm talking about. So I do want to also let you know, and it it wouldn't hurt my feelings if if, uh, anybody had to move around and make an adjustment based off what I'm about to say, but I'm about to teach on raising godly children in an increasingly evil society. And a lot of the topic, a lot of the the information is going to be PG-13. So if, if you have a child, you know, 12 years old and under, and you, you would rather them not be in here, I'm going to be covering some topics that, uh, you know, it's, it's possible that they might not, uh, you might not be ready for them to hear, and that's okay. Um, uh, won't hurt my feelings at all. There's, there's, you know, like I said, whatever you need to do there. I'm just trying to be respectful. Praise God. Somebody say praise God. Praise God. Great. Here we go. Society is... Not what it was, or maybe it really is. Because most people look through the lens like this. They say something like this. They say, when I was a kid, you could do this and not worry about it. Whether it was walking to your neighbor's house or walking, cutting through the neighbor's yard or whatever it is. And the truth is there's some, some accuracy there that things change, but all you have to do is look a little further back or maybe even a little bit broader, more broad, and you can see that your personal experience might have had some things that you considered beneficial, but history is consistently repeating itself with regards to the evil that is available in society. It's not like your life was nothing but, you know, uh, tiptoeing through the tulips and nothing happened to you. If you're really honest, you were probably exposed to some things that you wish you hadn't been exposed to at the age that you were exposed to them. It might not have been as easily accessible or maybe not even as vile as what is seemingly easily accessible now, but it's easy to look back and, and, and make the decision on whether or not you wish you had been exposed to it at that time. All you have to do is look through the filter of, would you like your kid to be exposed to it at that time? See, I have a lot of things in my life that I was exposed to when I was very young. Um, particularly uh, from from other kids that had access to things, and then they would you know show it or talk about it or or whatever. Uh, sometimes it was it was uh, from other men because I grew up working um, 
a lot of hard work, a lot of labor and things like that and different things. And, and so you're just around men that, that are in those environments and, it, and it's very easy to perpetuate that. It's almost like men feel like it's their responsibility to, to say things that are filthy so that they can get a laugh or a chuckle. But what they don't know is they are radically affecting a young person that may have never heard something like that before. And then their mind is opened in that area, or, or could, could I say it differently, is awakened in that area. So this is kind of where I'm talking about where we're going to talk the Bible from a, from a, from a high-level view. So one, one point I want to make is the Song of Solomon, which is a great book of the Bible for you to read with your children once they get a little older to, so that they can begin to understand the love that a man should have for a woman and a woman should have for a man. But there's a verse in there and it says, don't awaken love before it's time. There are certain things that like, like shaving cream, when you get it out of the can, it doesn't go back. So the Bible has answers for you if you're starting from square one with a baby and it also has answers for you if you are somewhere past uh, the infant side of raising kids and you're somewhere between zero and 18 or, or even a little older. It has the answers for you. But what you have to do is you've got to get radically honest with yourself. Because if you're not starting at scratch, you got to decide, did I drop the ball in an area or did I not? Because the moment that you decide to be radically honest with yourself is when God can actually begin to help you make the adjustments necessary to raise godly children in an increasingly evil society. But raising godly children looks nothing like the world. This is not a shouting service, so I mean, if you don't, don't, don't feel like it bothers me when you're quiet. Matter of fact, a lot of times I teach better when it's quiet. But... In society, you have to understand the church, the kingdom of God, and the world are nothing alike. They're they're nothing alike. The world will never stop progressing past, will never stop progressing past what is wrong to the next thing that is wrong and more wrong. That's what the world is going to do. So the minute that Christians stop staring at the world and going, oh my gosh, I can't believe they put that on TV. Instead of making that comment and leaving the TV on, just turn the darn TV off. And stop letting it come in your house. That was almost PG-13 right there. Almost used a Jake word. Because society and the world is nothing like the kingdom. So if we're going to talk about this, we've got to have at least a couple of definitions. First off, what is evil, okay? Evil is anything contrary to God's word. The reason I say that is because the world wants you to think that evil is is a zombie or something ghoulish. And I'm here to tell you, evil most oftentimes looks like an angel of light. The Bible says that you should not be amazed that Lucifer himself, the devil himself, disguises himself as an angel of light. The enemy doesn't come, the devil doesn't come to try to trip up the saints with a bunch of freakish evil stuff, evil looking stuff according to the world. On the contrary, He's just trying to get you to compromise a little bitty bit. Because if you'll compromise a little bitty bit, maybe you won't take the next step, but maybe the next generation will take the next step and compromise a little bit more. And the the, the whole goal that the enemy has is to get the, the, the people of God so far and so far removed from the truth that it takes literal fire from heaven to reignite them. All the while, we could have been like the burning bush and never and never go out. What was beautiful about the burning bush in the wilderness is the burning bush was, 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 was burning, but the Bible says the bush wasn't being consumed. See, the fire of God is supposed to be on you and never go out. 
And this separates you from, from the world in a strong way. But, but you have to understand that going through life, looking and sounding like the world and being saved is one of the most dangerous things you can do for people around you. Because it might be enough that you'll stay faithful to Jesus when it comes to your salvation. But if you look like the world, talk like the world, and act like the world, people around you won't know that you're different at all. And they may not have that same willpower that you might have. So if you're going to raise your children, if you're going to raise godly children in an increasingly evil society, there's some things you're going to have to do. I'm old enough to remember... uh, Well, let me just say it like this. Society picks up whatever the most, whatever the most flamboyant cause is at that time. I'm old enough to remember when, when they said by the year, I believe it was 2020, that New York City would be underwater because of global warming. I'm not here to talk about, you know, global warming. I think we ought to take care of the earth best we can. But God made the earth. The earth didn't make God. I'm old enough to remember when, oh, no, uh, use the back side of your notebook paper because we're saving trees. Don't just use one side of paper. You're wrong for that. I remember when it was so, try to make people feel so guilty for using too much paper. And they wanted us to use plastic. Do you remember? Every grocery store used to have paper bags. And that was wasteful. It was killing trees. Now all of a sudden they've gone to plastic bags. Now all of a sudden the plastic bags are killing all the turtles. So now we've gone from plastic straws to paper straws. We're right back to paper. We're just talking now. I don't know what right is in that, in that regard. Do I want turtles dying? No. Do I want, do I want, you know, you know, whatever? I do want my straw to work. <laughs> or not for halfway through the drink either, you know? But you see how, you see how this, see how this is? It's whatever the, whatever the thing is that they can grab. Because the enemy's job is not to get you to worship him. It's to stop you from worshiping him. So anything he can distract society with long enough. Anything he can distract society with long enough, he'll do it. So the first thing you have to understand, evil is anything contrary to God's word. It doesn't necessarily have to look evil. But when you watch, and again, this is, this is low-hanging fruit. It's easy to look at this. Every person here is going to nod their head and be like, that's right, preacher, I tell you what. But I, I don't want you thinking surface level, okay? I want you thinking spiritual depth. Think about the movies that are out and have been out for years. Not just the fact that there are murder scenes in practically every movie. There are rape scenes in dozens and dozens of movies, I'm sure. Drugs are as normal as as breathing in movies. Filthiness. Sin runs rampant. You turn the television on... If you turn it on television 20 years ago, what would have been R-rated, you can watch on primetime right now. Video games, the most popular video games on earth are mass murder video games. Video games that, that glorify anarchy, lawlessness. Video games that glorify drugs. Uh, stealing. Then it's it's hard to kind of catch this other one. I'm just going to put it all in a pile. Online media, which is more online media. That's your phone. That's your computer. It is more important for you to know what's on your kid's phone than it is for you to know what's on your TV. Because... What's on their phone is, is, can be an un, can be unfettered access to wickedness. And the enemy is not, he's not trying to move slowly in this. He's trying to move very quickly in this and trying to 
trying to get a hold of your kids at a very young age. And if he can't get a hold of them, at least awaken something before it's time. And now you're having to put out a fire that wasn't supposed to be kindled yet. Now you're dealing with something that wasn't supposed, to be, wasn't supposed to happen yet. That doesn't mean that when something happens and they are exposed to something, they learn about something, they see something, you can't stick your head in the sand and not talk about it. You have to tell them what the Word of God says. And you have to do so lovingly and strategically and not emotionally. Because most of the stuff that kids get exposed to, they, were, they shouldn't have been exposed to it. And most of the time, it's really not their fault in the big picture But if a parent decides to ignore the fact that they've been exposed to it, you have a fire in your house and you are not putting it out. So you have to be strategic enough and loving enough to have those conversations about the value of their body, the value of who they are, the value of how God made them, the value of another life. Don't let your kids, don't let your daughters cry for hours and hours and hours about a dead puppy and then be totally calloused about a movie with a hundred murders in it. Because here, let me, let me tell you, I, 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 I said, I don't want you thinking this surface level. I want you really thinking about the spirituality of this. Think about a movie that has a grotesque murder scene, maybe with a torture scene or, or a, a woman or somebody being taken advantage of. You have to understand that didn't just land on that screen. Somebody thought that through, and then they pictured it happening, and then they wrote it down, and then they pictured the room that it would happen in, and then they brought in the right lighting to show this filth and debauchery happening. In other words, it was devised in the heart of a person, and what you see is the result of a wicked heart. It is not just a scene on a television. That's why when you look, and, and, and we've seen it over the last few years, many of these producers and, and movie moguls and media moguls, have all these things have come out about them, about how much filth and debauchery that's actually going on in these circles. That's because that's all they think about. And if it's not all they think about, it is something that they think about because somebody's writing it. So then they get a script, a producer gets a script, and they read the script, and they're reading this filth, and then they're sitting there talking about it. Well, which actor should take all their clothes off and be brutalized? This is the conversations that are going on. This is upper-level demonic activity. The Bible says that he is the prince of the power of the air. There is nothing tying my phone to anything else. Whatever comes to my phone is traveling through the air to get to my phone. He is the prince of the power of the air. And he is doing everything he can to try to get people to be so desensitized so you can't tell reality. Uh, you can't tell reality from fantasy. And the enemy is not, is not, is not uh, satisfied with you tolerating sin, he is only satisfied when sin is celebrated. That's why Christians cannot tolerate sin. That doesn't mean that we tell people they can't. We have to live in a free society because if we don't live in a free society, there's no option to choose Jesus. That means people should be able to do whatever they want to do as long as it's not harming somebody else. However, a believer in their own house has to make absolutely sure that they are renunciating, teaching, and living the example in front of their children that that is the way the wicked world behaves. That is not the way God's people behave. That is not the way God's people think. That is not the way God's people talk. We have been redeemed from the curse. We are not wicked anymore. We are righteous by the blood of Jesus. We do not talk that way, look that way. Our eyes are holy. Our hands are holy. Our feet are holy. And we are not going to be a part of that filthiness that has become normal in society. Because what will happen is you might be able to sustain it, but the next generation will not. Give God a hand of praise right there. It'll make you feel better. Because 1 Timothy chapter 1 says this, the law is for the lawless. I'm going to get on this. I don't talk like this very often, but I'm going to get on this. 
Taking a gun away from a righteous person does not make any place more safe. Because wicked people want to do wicked things. So the question is, if there is not something that will stop them, they will do it. That's what the law is for. There has to be a consequence that is either grand enough to convince them not to or that they will experience so they don't do it to somebody else. There has to be a con- that's for the lawless. You don't have to, if you're a born again Christian, you don't have to have a law to tell you not to murder somebody. That's written on your heart. So taking somebody's ability to protect their family or to stop a totalitarian government from marching in, taking somebody's ability to uh, to protect their family and to stop or slow some type of a, some type of a march in, it doesn't make society safer. It makes society less safe. Because if somebody is is fixing to to try to carjack somebody, and they don't know if the person in the car has a gun, they have to be a little more cautious. See what I'm saying? This, this is where I'm talking about. We're going with a much broader, broader view today. I'm talking about a Christian worldview on how to raise godly children in an increasingly evil society. Jesus himself, on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, he told the disciples, he says, if you do not, he said, I told you before, don't take a purse with you. Don't take a script with you. I would give you words to take care of everything. But then he said this. He said, if you don't have a sword, sell your coat and buy one. That's what Jesus said. They brought him three swords. They said, what do you think about this, Jesus? Jesus said, that's enough. Now, there's a lot that could go into that. But what I'm trying to tell you is society must be free for the gospel to flow properly. You must have the opportunity to choose God. And you also have to have the opportunity to not choose God. Because we can't force people to believe in Jesus. So if we're going to raise our kids, if we're going to raise godly children in an everly, uh, 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 in an increasingly evil society, there's a couple of truths. Let me just give you, let me just give you one, okay? And I don't know how far we're going to get on this because it's already three o'clock. All right, here we go. There are only two genders. That's it. Genesis chapter number one, verse 27. He said he made them male and female. And I understand this is a very hot topic and, and can be very uh, challenging for some people to hear. I promise you it is with love. But you cannot let the world lie to your children indefinitely and not tell them the truth. Because you've got to establish that truth in them because what the devil operates through almost more than anything else is through confusion. And if he can keep your children confused, and they, they might not be subject to something like this. They may not feel some kind of way. They might not have any of those inclinations or any of those thoughts. But if they begin to tolerate it, the next iteration is it celebrated. Because sin is never satisfied with being tolerated. It's only satisfied when it's celebrated. So we must be clear on these things. Somebody say clear. Clear. So we have to protect our children from uh, from contrary beliefs until they are ready and old enough to stand on God's word. We are not protecting our children because we fear the world. We are protecting our children because one day we will loose our children on the world. So our goal is to get them built up in faith so that whenever that day comes, they're able to stand. But if we do not tell them the truth, if we don't tell them the truth, the world is is never going to stop saying they have the truth. But oddly enough, their truth changes you know, usually, I used to say probably yearly, but now it's changing like almost every month. What's right, what's not right. The world just changes on it. It depends on what the hot topic is. Today, you know, it's paper straws are bad. Or no, no, plastic straws are bad. I don't know what the next one's going to be. 
You know, maybe we'll be drinking out of bamboo stems. I don't know. But whatever the next thing is, and of course I make it light, but the, these other topics I'm talking about, the, the, the confusion on gender, God doesn't make mistakes. God makes male and female. That's it. And when, you, when, when, when the world keeps trying to force everybody to believe, li- listen to this. There, right now, you've got, you've got places and petitions and courts that are ruling that boys that have passed puberty are allowed to compete against girls just because they feel some kind of way. I'm here to tell you without, I don't mean this ugly in any way, but that could not be more evil. And the person who's paying the highest price is the child that was allowed to live in that confusion because nobody ever told them the truth. Now they're stuck in bondage until somebody can bring Jesus and freedom to them. So you end up having a society that is so warped in its thinking that we send rovers to Mars looking for an imprint of a, of a snail or a worm in a rock to try to indicate that that would prove that there is life there. But you can take a heartbeat inside of a mother's womb and not call that a life. I'm talking about raising godly children. You can't have your children weeping over dead puppies and dead kittens and not explain to them the horrors that are abortion. Life is very different now. It is not the same. It will not be the same. It's not going to go back to the same. The Bible does not talk about utopia returning until the Lord Jesus Christ himself comes and rules and reigns on planet earth. So for you and me, we've got to get committed to teaching our children what is right and what is wrong or we will, listen to me, you won't, I won't, but people will lose their children who are godly people people because they chose not to address this head on. I'm talking about an increasingly evil society. I'll tell you another one that is just rampant. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not uh, minimizing anybody's feelings that has a, 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 a temptation in this area. Some of you have a radical temper and and some people do not and and they will never know what it's like to have a radical temper and be tempted to fly off the handle they'll never know what that's like but many people who have fought through different uh uh elements of of a of a of a sexual nature they they have they have a temptation in that area which God will set them free of and deliver them from but it is a very real temptation No different than somebody who's tempted to go drink alcohol or anything like that. But here's the reality of it. Just like I said, sin is never satisfied being tolerated. It requires itself to be celebrated, which is why we just came out of Pride Month. Pride Month, it used to be uh, generally related to people who who are involved in a homosexual lifestyle. It is now uh, a, a dozen different types. So it could, could be, you know, any type of a sexual preference other than what we typically call heterosexual, a man and a woman, one man, one woman. And this was Pride Month. So Pride Month is very interesting. Of course, you guys know the scripture. The Bible says this, pride comes before a... The enemy doesn't choose these things without trying to wave his fist at God. Their symbol is a rainbow. The rainbow is the symbol that God put in the sky to tell Noah that I'll never destroy the earth again. In other words, they're waving God's promise that he will not destroy the earth in his face while declaring pride as if it'll never fall. And so for you and for me, you have to understand, you have to protect your kids. You have to tell them what the rainbow really means. Because the rainbow does not mean I can live in sin and it will never catch up with me. That is not what the rainbow means. The rainbow means that God is not going to destroy the earth the way that it was destroyed uh, when, when Noah was there. But, but here's the other side of it. And I want to answer the question that's going on, not in your mind, but somebody watching online. Why are you addressing this, this, this strongly in this way? You know, gossip will send you to hell. Gossip is a sin. 
No, hating your neighbor is a sin. Well, let me tell you why I'm addressing this. There's not a gossip month. There's not a gossip flag that people walk down the streets and wave. It doesn't say that gossip is an abomination. So we have to address what is being addressed at us. We didn't ask to want to address this. We didn't, nobody, no, especially not this church. We're not running out, pointing everybody out. Center, 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 center. We're not doing that. We're not fixing to do that. That's not what we're about. But you got to raise your kids. And you got to raise them godly. And if you think it's a normal day, it's not a normal day anymore. Listen, listen, there's not, they're, 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 not, they're not having readings in kindergarten with people dressed some kind of way reading books about gossip. But you got grown men, 40, 50 year old men that are sitting down clothed as women with makeup that looks like half clown, half woman. Reading to children that are three and four years old, teaching them lewd dances and all kind of, of, um, total debauchery. This is not, listen, listen, I'm not, I'm not up here reading from a new, from one news headline to you. This didn't start yesterday. Okay. This is what's going on right now. It's going on. Has anybody ever seen anything that I'm talking about, either online or on the news? Okay. I just want to make sure I'm not alone. This is not, this is not like, like maybe happening. This is happening right now. So you got to understand, you can't treat everything the same. You don't defend against gossip the same way. There's not a gossip month. There's not a gossip parade and gossip doesn't have a flag. Do you have to address gossip? Sure. In your house. But the enemy is trying to get people so confused that your children don't know right from wrong. So for you and for me, we have to teach them what is right. And I mean this with all due respect to anybody in any condition that you're in, but the will of Almighty God is one man and one woman, period. Our church, our church is, is, is a bit of a magnet for people to be free from those kind of things, by the way. There's a lot of people in our church that are free from all kind of things that, that, uh, you know, they thought one way or felt one way and then God will just set you free. There's a lot of drug addicts in this church that God set free. All kind of different things. But you have to understand that the enemy is never going to be satisfied until that sin is celebrated. And the world is never going to stop um, compromising to whatever is wrong. So society is never going to stop iterating towards more wrong. So the, the kingdom and you as a kingdom citizen... You've got to start taking some stands and start taking up your rightful place as the raiser of your children and not just the friend of your child and teach them what the word says, especially, um, I'm not, I'm not saying one way or the other about this, but just hear what I'm saying, especially if your child goes to school. All kids should be educated. I get it. There's all kind of options for that now. Private school, public school, charter school, home school, you know, there's, you know, school, 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 school. But if your kid is spending eight hours a day with somebody else around somebody else's kids all day, then your responsibility is heightened to find out what is being said, what is not being said, what do you know, what do you not know, and you're going to have, it's going to cost you literally your whole life to raise them right. Literally. You don't get to be, you don't get the, you don't get the luxury of being tired in the evening. You go to work when you get home, not when you leave. I'm going to say that again for the back row. You go to work when you get home, not when you leave. The society values what you do outside of the house more than inside of the house. And the kingdom values what you do inside of the house more than outside of the house. Because if you look at your kids, everybody, I'm kind of a nerd, so I'll draw you guys a chart. 
everybody's life kind of looks like this on a general basis. You wake up in the morning and it kind of takes you a little bit of time to wake up. And then all of a sudden you start to peak at some point. You have a good day and then everybody starts to go back down mentally, emotionally, physically, because you got to take a little nap. Then you get to be even and everybody's tired. And then the next day you do it again. If your kids are going to school at seven, eight o'clock in the morning, they're going to school about right there. If they come home at three to five o'clock in the evening or you come home at five o'clock in the evening, this is what you're working with. And the best part or the, 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 the most active that their emotional state is, that their physical state is, and their mental state is, is actually happening while you're not with them. That's not saying that you're wrong for sending them to school. That's saying that you better be doing some real work in this time because this is actually what you're battling against. How many hours in a day? So shout it out. Okay, but you're not awake that long, right? About 12 hours, give or take a day. If eight of those hours, or let's call those your good hours, that's two-thirds, that's two-thirds of your day in modern society is separated from your offspring, and God will not ask you about your job before he asks you about your kids. Is this too much, Jake? God will not ask you about how good you can dig ditches before he asks you about what did you teach your children. God will not ask you how good you can build spreadsheets before he asks you about, tell me about your children. Your job, your primary job starts when you get home, not when you leave home. So some of you, are going to make some decisions this year that's going to change how your family looks. And let me just say this. Family has to have no sacrifice that is off limits. What I mean, and I taught a series on it years ago with an acronym GFE, God, family, and everybody else. Society will teach you that your friendships will last a lifetime. 100%. You'll have a friend or two that'll last your lifetime. But when you raise your kids, you have to put your children and their upbringing as a higher priority than any friend relationship you have. That means if, and I'm talking family, extended family too. If, if, if Uncle, Uncle Lewis talks like a lunatic, you don't have your kids around Uncle Lewis until your kids are ready to stand on the Word of God and can see that Uncle Lewis talks like a lunatic. You don't tolerate a friend that talks racist in front of your kids just because they're your friend. You tell your friend, you say one more racist thing around me, I might knock something out of your mouth, but you will never be around my children again. Because the risk of your child having something like that get on them, God will not ask your friend about them. You got you to gotta decide how your house is going to be. Back to the concept, you got to be honest. If, if your correction of your children has sounded like like smart aleck rhetoric more than it has sounded like strategic information, then you got to make a change. You can't just go responding to them because all you'll do is teach them to respond to whatever comes in their life. And then before you know it, they'll be popping off to you. And the truth is, is you taught them how to pop off. But you got to be honest with it. You got to go, wait a daggum minute. What did I plant? Because if you want to do this right, it's like driving a car. When you're driving down the road, it's a bunch of little bitty adjustments. If you don't have the wheel, you don't even recognize them. The only time that there's a major adjustment is when something is wrong. Or you haven't made enough little adjustments. So when you're raising kids, you're looking for two things. You ready? Seeds and weeds. 
It's a lot easier to throw an acorn off your lawn than it is to cut down a 30-year-old oak tree. Seeds and weeds. Some of them are planted and some of them grow and you didn't have to plant them. Don't look at your kids and act like they did something wrong just because they know something now. Some of it's a weed. Anybody here ever had a garden? Did you ever have to plant weeds? No, they just show up. But if you look for seeds and weeds all the time, you won't be cutting down forests. You'll be weeding the garden and throwing out seed you don't want to grow. Little adjustments all the time. Back to the spirit of the law, the letter of the law. If your house is ruled by the letter of the law, but you're never addressing the spirit of the law, what you're going to have is somebody that will only go as far as the electric fence will let them go until they figure out how to turn it off. Then they'll go further. So you have to go to the heart of the measure. And you say, well, that, that's going to take some time. Yeah. I always find it interesting how people will watch hours and hours and hours of people that, that are, that are, that'll take a wild Mustang and, and train this Mustang how to lay down and how to roll over and how they can ride this Mustang and everybody always celebrates it, but they won't give five minutes to train their children. We'll sit there and watch a dog sit down, turn around, roll over, play dead, do this, stand up, sit down, go get the ball, go jump on this, go do this. But they won't take five minutes. They, they, everybody knows that that dog didn't learn that in a day. Everybody goes, boy, they put the time in. And then when, when your kid doesn't do what your kid's supposed to do, everybody just quits and gets mad. Can't believe it. Go to your room. I don't know what to do with you. Rah! Tell you what you do when you train them. It's going to take your whole life to do this right. It's going to take your entire life to do this right, whether you're starting at zero or you're starting somewhere in the middle. I I, I want you to know just, just here's a couple of other facts. If you start at zero, okay, you have a baby, you start at zero, listen to this, you have 6,570 days before they're 18. Of that, you have 936 Sundays. That's it. If you have a 15-year-old, you only have 156 Sundays left. To get whatever you're going to get in them, in them. I'm telling you, there can't be anything that you won't sacrifice for your family, for your children, for, for your offspring. Nothing is off limits. Your friends are not limits. If you've got some friends that need to go, they need to doggone go. They don't need to come back to your house. They don't need to be friends with you on Facebook. If you won't, don't want to be rude, you can find a way to make it where they can't tell that you don't follow them anymore or whatever. But you stop having the world come in and pollute your home just for the friendship's sake that God is not going to ask you about. you got kids that have a call of God on their life and it is your responsibility to raise them in the fear and admonition of God because the world is going at a million miles an hour to try to stop them. A million miles an hour. There's no way anybody in this room would have thought the debauchery that we see that is celebrated right now would be normal in the United States of America if you were asked 20 years ago. No way. So we've got to be proactive with our kids. We got to t- listen. There's no family that there's no extended family that's that, that, that that's not sac- that's not above sacrifice. I don't mean that disrespectful to any family. I know everybody's got family, but if you don't serve God and my kids are still in that influential age, you're not going to be around my kids. I'll see you. We may sit at a restaurant. I may say hi, whatever. But it is not going to be come to my house and and have this. If you don't know what's going to come out of somebody's house, because your risk is not what your kids get exposed to. Your risk is anything the other person around your kid has been exposed to. Because you don't have to see a playboy if somebody tells you what a playboy is and you're a little kid. Now your mind is poop, opened up. If that's the situation you're in, then you deal with that and you talk about it and you help them through it and you tell them about the sacredness of marriage. You tell them about how God has designed things 
uh, uh, for a man and a woman, and it's and it's wonderful, and it's 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 all about uh, uh, love and all that. But you got to understand, they don't have to see something for their mind to be awakened in that area. So if your child is around somebody, you are not exposing them to what they see. Anything somebody else has seen, all they can do is say it. You ever seen Jesus? I mean, maybe some of you. I'm not trying to disrespect that if you have. I'm just saying, you believed on Jesus because somebody said it. It wasn't because we transported you to heaven. It's the same thing with your kids. So you got to understand, society is is working just... So here's another. Nothing can be off limits as far as sacrifice. Time. Sleep. If you don't know, if if you do not, if you honestly don't know the temperature of your home and what your kids are like, you ought to take the next seven days and say, we're not going to watch TV and every evening we're going to sit here and we're going to talk or we're going to play cards or we're going to play charades or we're going to go for a walk or something but I got to know where my family's at. I got to figure it out. What do your kids know that you don't know they know? That's eating them alive. That's lying to them. You got to be proactive about this. You have to raise them. You got to be a parent before you're a friend. You can be a friend later. And you'll be a, they'll, they'll be a better friend. You'll be a better friend to them later. And they'll be a better friend to you later if you're a parent now. Because here's, here's another point. You ought to write this down. You ready? God does not negotiate. One of the things that, that, that is, it's an immediate indication that things are, if they're not completely out of whack, they're leaning towards out of whack. When a parent can't tell their child no without negotiating three different things. I know this is heavy, and I mean it as as gentle as I can. But if you got to promise your kid three suckers to get them to to be quiet, that kid is running you. You are not running that kid. God does not negotiate. Nobody needs help learning how to accept yes. But everybody has to be taught how to accept no from somebody that loves them very much. The reason sin is on the planet is because Adam and Eve couldn't deal with the one no in the garden. Nobody needs help learning how to deal with a yes. Your kids turn into angels when you say yes. The question is, do they grow horns when you say no? Say, how do I fix it? I'm going to tell you something. It might mean quitting your job. Well, my career, what about your career? Your offspring needs you. Your offspring needs you. They need need what you have. God didn't mistakenly put them in your home. And God doesn't negotiate. If he tells you no, he means it. And it's for your benefit. And if they can't hear no from you, how are they going to hear no from the parent they can't see? How are they going to accept no from the father they can't see when they're, they, they can't accept no from the parent they can see? You got to train them how to hear from God, how to respond to God. Because here, here, here's another one. You might write this down. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Sometimes a, a obedience requires timely response. Or you could miss an opportunity or be rushed into something deadly. Everybody's heard the stories of, I tried to tell them no, but they wouldn't stop and they ran across the street. Everybody's heard those stories. He said, what do you do? You work on it. You work on it. You work on it. Well, well, how do I fix it? You fix it. Anything else you've tried to figure out, you figure out. Why do the things that matter most, we act like we need somebody else to show us every little nook and cranny on how to do it? You do it until it comes about. And if it costs you all 18 years, then it's worth every 
every stinking minute. And if you don't have one conversation with a friend from high school in that entire 18 years, who freaking cares? Your kids are on the line. God bless all our friends from high school. I'm just telling you where they stack in the priority level. If you can't tell your kid no, your kid's running you. Period. If, if, if your kid's obedience is always X amount of time after you've told them and you got to explain it. What, how many times God told you to do, if God's ever told you to do something, just wave at me. Now, everybody who, who just said God's told them to do something, did he explain why every time? So when we don't explain to our kids why every time, it is actually setting them up to be able to be obedient to our Heavenly Father because it's going to take faith. And faith requires something you don't know. I'll tell you, I've been working on my kids since they were born. I, it, it hadn't been uncommon for me to take them to a gas station and say, hey, guys, come on inside. They say, uh, they go in the gas station with me. I said, I said, hey, guys, what's going on? I said, Daddy, can we get some candy? I'll say no. And all I'm doing is measuring their no. Where is the no? If it's a yes, sir, no problem, I'll tell them, go get in the car. They go get in the car. I'll go buy all the candy I thought they want. But instead of buying one, I'll buy 10, bo- 10 boxes of each and bring it out there. I said, because you were willing to hear a no, this is exceedingly abundantly above more than you could ask or think. We've surprised them with trips. Say, hey, where you guys want to go today? Oh, I don't know, Dad. Let's go to Chuck E. Cheese. Let's go there. I said, okay, cool. We could do that, but instead we're just going to Disney. <laughs> Exceedingly abundantly above more than they could ask or think. I'm checking on their no. I did it the other day. They wanted to see a house. We were going to look at some real estate. They wanted to see the house. They love real estate too. And so we were going to look at this house. And, and we pulled up. And they were so excited to see it. I said, you guys wait in the car. All three of them said, yes, sir. Then mom told him, Crystal told him, he's just kidding, get out. (laughs) I'm checking their no. I want to see how they respond. I'm not, I'm not dealing with, listen, when they're, when they're 19, 20 years old, let me tell you what I'm going to be doing. You ready? That's me eating popcorn, watching my kids run stuff. The reason is, is because I'm training them in the way they should go. But if you're, if you're ostrich head in the sand, this thing, oh my God, I'm so tired. Oh, I just can't wait to get home. Oh, you get up at five o'clock in the morning, drink coffee, get some energy, drink some doggone coffee on the way home. Don't you walk in the house all, all droopy and, and dull eyed with your family? I know everybody has their days. I, I'll, I'll stop, I'll stop down the road. I don't know if I should say this. I'll slam a Red Bull. Boom, 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 boom. I'm not going to walk in there, the gifts that God gave me, my wife, my kids. I'm not going to drag all that stuff in there on them. Oh, hey, I'm dad's home again. Boy, am I tired. What'd y'all do today? You're not working when you leave the house. You're working when you get home. That's my job. Everything else I just do. You hear what I'm saying? I'm talking about raising godly children in an increasingly evil society. Just maybe one or two more, then we're going to dismiss. Correct your children as strong as necessary and as gentle as possible. Don't treat everything the same. If it's a big deal, it is a big deal. But if you'll deal with the little deals, you won't have as many big deals. Some of you, you ought to go home Moms and dads, if you can, write down the three areas that you know about your child. Because there's things that you know about your child. 
and you're not seeing it grow as much as you wish. Or you remember when they were four and it was just, it was their nature and you knew God put that in them. Go write those things down and then this week or maybe even tonight have a conversation with your kids. Say, these are some of the things that I know God has put in you and I want us to start working to see those things come back. Some of you, if, if, if sending them to a, a certain school, every time they come home, they got a new problem, maybe you ought to think about a different school. Oh, well, what will that cost? Who freaking cares what it costs? This is your kids we're talking about. This is your kids we're talking about. Some of you might need to consider teaching your kids at home. I don't know how to teach them. Please. You didn't know how to make a chicken pot pie and you Googled that. YouTube University will teach you anything you want to know. And there may be a day coming when the bulk of Christianity might just need to say, we're not sending our kids to hear that. We're not doing that. Well, what if they can't do the Pythagorean theorem? At least they won't go to hell. Last thing right here. You ready? 9,000, excuse me, 6,000 some odd days. You got to keep them in the house of God. Some of you grand, grandparents, you need to go pick those grandkids up if the, if the kids won't take them and get them in the house of God. Every freaking, can I say freaking in church? It rolls off the tongue. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, until Jesus comes back. There are people that haven't missed an episode of Jeopardy in 16 years. But they can't make it to church. Are you crazy? You're risking your kids. You're risking your kids. Well, we've got this extracurricular activity that keeps us out of church six weeks in a row. Quit it. Quit it. Because they can throw a four-seam fastball is not worth what you can put them, which you can put in their spirit while you have them in your care, custody, and control. Let them see that the house of God, the word of God, and the things of God are a priority to you, not just something you say. That means you don't just come to church, you serve church. If you're not a part of our first touch team, first thing you need to do is become a part of our, a part of our first touch team. And if you don't know how, you find out how. I'm, you know what I'm sick of? Anything people want to find out, they find out. Anything you have to teach somebody how to find out, they usually just don't want to. So... Not New Heights, but a lot of places, they'll be like, all right. They act, they act like people are, Christians are idiots. They're like, okay, now that you're saved, you know, here's the, here's the 16 steps that you've got to do right here. You're going to do this. 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 And all the while, it's like a little tiny baby step, almost like you're, you're, you're pinching them on the, on the cheek going, come on, little baby. Just take one more step. Just take one more step. You can't even go to a Texas A&M football game without paying a hundred million dollars to park five miles away, walking five miles in the sweltering heat, climbing up 452 flights of stairs only to get to your chair and they don't even let you sit down. But lead somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ and we start making it out like they're too dumb to figure out how to get there. Texas A&M doesn't tell you how to get to your chair. You figure it out. You got to act what you got to act like a priority is a priority. 
You start mapping it out. You want to go to an Astros game in Houston? You start mapping. Well, I'm going to park here, I think. I'll walk there. We'll come in this gate, not that gate. And we'll get there. We're going to get there early because we're going to go over to this section. We're going to try to catch a home run ball maybe during batting practice. Then we're going to sit over here. And, okay, we're going to need $27.32 because it's $1 hot dog night. And we're all going to eat 13 hot dogs. Praise the Lord. And we're just going to have so much fun. And then when we leave there, we're going to know because we're going to get on I-10. Then we're going to go on I-10. We're going to go over here to 290. We're going to get on 290. We're going to go all the way 290 out to Highway 6. And we'll turn on Highway 6. And then we'll be home by 2 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be great. Oh, man, I couldn't make it to church on time. That's a lie from hell. You prioritized something else above the house of God. That's what you did. And your children see it because they're not stupid. They see that you can get to a chair in a stadium you've never been to, surrounded by 75,000 people, but you can't make it to a building that is two miles from your home. first thing you should do with your children if they go to college is you ought to either commit to go pick them up every Saturday and bring them home so they can be in the house of God with you or help them find a church that is in the town where they go to school. First thing. When they say, I think I'm thinking about going to this school, you ought to say, what are the churches like? Well, they're not going for that. Okay, so let's turn off their spiritual growth for the four most important years potentially of their life, 18, 19, 20, 21, where the biggest decisions of their life are usually made. No, let's get them into a room where somebody's going to teach them God knows what, surrounded by God knows who, and then we'll have no idea what's happening on Sunday or Wednesday, whether or not they're reading their Bible, praying, or anything else. This is what, this is what the church has done. And this is why we're having, not, not this church, but this is why we're having such a struggle with the next generation because the next generation has megaphones in their ears with people wearing clown makeup trying to tell them that Christians are somehow filled with hate because we believe what God said. We're not filled with hate. We're filled with the love of Jesus Christ. But our God has standards. We don't get to set them. Here, here's another one, and this is how you know it's all about, it's all against Jesus. When's the last time you heard somebody complaining about Islam? When's the last time you heard anybody in the, in the broad-based media complaining about Islam? Now this is a place where women in some countries still can't even freaking drive. Freaking. Sorry. This is how you know it's against Jesus. It's against God's people. That's what this is. You got, you got countries where if somebody chews a piece of bubble gum, they'll put them on their knees and hit them a hundred times with a, with a, with a rod on their back until they pass out. This happened, this happened a couple weeks ago. In Indonesia, by the way. You don't hear anything about it. Everybody just goes, oh, well, you know, that's just how they live. But let one Christian stand up and say, I think it ought to be a man and a woman. Oh, they're filled with hate. Oh my gosh, they're so hateful. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. They're hateful. Like, no, we just don't want our kids to go to hell. So for us, we got to raise our kids. But we have to put the truth in our children. And that means nothing, there is nothing that we won't sacrifice. So, again, I'll just kind of go back over a few. It could be that you look and you go, man, I got three years left. I make $35,000 a year. Or I cannot make that $30,000 a year. Believe God for increase in another way and spend the next three years making sure that my kids know how much we love them and how much God loves them. If you're not in a position to do that, I don't mean, I don't. What I mean is, you know, everybody has their own deal. If you're a single parent, there's certain things you have to do. I get it. I understand it. But I want you to know that raising a child 
there is not one thing more honorable than that on the planet. You can't go get 700 physics degrees, build 15, you know, Fortune 100 companies, and it be more important than raising one godly child. Can you do it all? Sure, yeah. And if you, if you could find a way to navigate it, praise the Lord. But don't risk your kids for it. Because society values what you do outside the house and tells you, we can teach your kids what they need to know. That's, that's where we are. Society is trying to spoon-fed debauchery, spoon-feed debauchery into your children. And not us, but a lot of the kingdom is asleep and our kids are just eating it. Somebody say, not my house. Come on, let's pray. Lift your hands. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.